Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's French Open preview. Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal have put on a quarterfinal collision course. Naomi Osaka gets an Australian Open rematch with Anna Samova. And Laura Robson officially announces her retirement. Chris, today is the 19th of May and we are here to catch up on the French Open draws at Passing Shot HQ. Kim is on her holidays this week, so you have kindly filled in, fresh from coming back from Rome, back into the hot seat at Passing Shot HQ. We're going to be talking about the French Open draws that have just landed, as well as all the tennis that's been going on this week and the news that Laura Robson has officially announced her retirement. So lots to talk about, lots to get into, but I feel right now everyone is talking about the uh, the French Open draws and particularly that men's draw because, oh my God, it's very, very imbalanced, isn't it? I don't think it could be more imbalanced. <laughs> I was super keen. I was watching the live stream and there were gasps from the audience as Novak Djokovic and Nadal were called at the exact same quarter. Unbelievable scenes. I think it's going to make for um, a very dramatic, you know, first first week. I mean, what, what day would that, that would be? The Tuesday or the first week or the second week? Far too soon for that sort of match. Far too soon for, I think, just the, the neutrals. I thought we were sort of hoping, well, we were just hoping, I think, Nadal and Djokovic would be in different halves. Wasn't the case. But we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. We've got a lot to a lot to talk about about the French Open draws. But let's start with some separate news. Let's start on a more sombre note because Laura Robson, you know, British Olympic silver medalist, junior Wimbledon winner, she has announced her retirement from tennis at the age of 28 years old. I think this was a long time coming. You know, her last match was three years ago and, you know, it wasn't a complete shock. Perhaps unlike, you know, the news, maybe, you know, Joe Conta, um, you know, announced her retirement, you know, earlier on this season. But, you know, she's obviously had her injury troubles. You know, she's had, I think, you know, multiple rounds of, of major hip surgery. What do you, what did you kind of make of this when this news broke? Because I was sort of, I was, yeah, when it came out, I was sort of like, okay you know it's a really kind of sad you know and poignant moment because this was a star he had so much potential but at the same time we've not really seen her on a tennis court for three years so I was kind of like it was more I was sort of braced for this moment even though it's sort of yeah it it came at, at this time yeah I think it's super sad obviously as you said a massive talent and when she broke onto the scene and won junior Wimbledon I mean that was quite I mean it was almost like Radicani West when she broke out yeah, at the yeah. at the at Wimbledon last year um it was unbelievable because she was 14 she was so young and I think hearing it isn't surprising I think we all hope maybe she'd have a little bit 
um, of a resurgence or a chance to play again. But clearly the injury troubles were just too much. So I think for her, I think it's taken a while for her to be able to say it. She's obviously a great commentator now um, and she's doing kind of a great job for that. I think she'll be covering Wimbledon as well on the BBC. Big shame, but um, not surprising. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. Is she being su- is she being groomed for the the Sue Barker role potentially uh, for BBC uh, Wimbledon commentary? Who knows? But no one yeah. can replace Sue Barker. <laughs> well, who legend. knows? It's got to happen at some point, Chris. So maybe Laura Robson. You know, I mean, as as you said, she I think has been very very good as as a broadcaster. I've really enjoyed her insight, particularly you know when I've heard her kind of commentate on tennis matches, but. You know, looking back on her career, yeah, it's it has been one where, you know, she's had some real kind of standout moments, uh, as you said, uh, junior Wimbledon winner. I always remember her run at the the U.S. Open, um, you know, in 2012, where she got to, you know, she got to the quarterfinals. I think she beat Kim Kleisters and, it was and the Lee Nair. Yeah. Sorry, the fourth round. And I should have known that because I was actually there. You were there. <laughs> I know that's really bad, isn't it? Yeah, no, I was there when you know I was in the crowd watching. Kim Kleisters versus Laura Robson. I remember that tournament because Kim Kleist, it all the news was Kim Kleisters is gonna is retiring. This is her last tournament. How you know how deep can she go? And um, you know, I don't think anyone really, inclu- including myself actually, was was going into that match thinking, yeah, Laura Robson's gonna send Kim Kleisters into retirement. But she just played so so well. And I just remember her, you know, she had a really you know, she had some big weapons that were really, I think, well suited to the, the tour, particularly her serve. She also had, a, I remember, really, really powerful forehand. And it was a shame, I think, because injury sort of robbed her of those, you know, of those weapons that she had in her locker. And, you know, she did obviously try and, and mount a comeback at, at times. But again, I think you look at how that kind of panned out for her and, Yes, we see these amazing comebacks from, you know, players like Andy Murray, for example. But, you know, there are other ones as well, you know, like, you know, Laura Robson, where it just shows, I think, how hard getting on the comeback trail after injury can be. And, you know, unfortunately, I feel for for Robson, it was it was almost kind of insurmountable for her. Definitely. I think potentially the nature of the injury made it insurmountable. Mm, But when you mentioned that Clysis match, I don't think. I think nobody thought that Robson would win that, especially given Kleister's game of retrieving so well. But some of those shots, if you watch that, I watched the highlights back this morning after obviously we heard about the news and she had some phenomenal shot making, like the down the line lefty forehand on the Mm. run. That was quite something. And that run in 2012 was pretty special. I think she was actually, she won um, newcomer of the year that year on the WTA tour. So it just shows how much promise she had because that's of all of the players who've had kind of a big um, a big jump up the rankings that year. Um, but a big shame. It, I mean, it makes you really realise just how um, short some people's careers can be at times, you know, um, especially when she reached the top 30, I mean, all those years ago and hasn't really been able to strike a ball since. But big shame. But I think um, she's got a great future ahead, as you say. Not Sue Barker's future, though. But <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 we'll see. But yeah, she's not. You know, she's not kind of disappearing from from tennis. You know, no. we're gonna hear we're gonna hear her voice a lot more. And I'm glad she's you know staying you know in the game. And mm. um, you know, it, it was interesting to hear her. You know, almost say 
it's it's taken her you know this amount of time you know three years since she last played a match she, she, it's taken her this long to really kind of come to you know come to terms with it and be able to to say it out loud which I think is you know really kind of you know fascinating in terms of you know for some players it's you know tennis is tennis is their life you know they they've trained they've you know poured blood sweat tears whatever into this you know amazing game put so much into it and you know when it you know stops so so abruptly I guess you know it's it it makes it so hard I think to potentially kind of come to terms with it and it sounds like that happened with Robson I mean just hearing some of the the quotes you know she came out with in her in her sort of statement she talked about you know I think I'm always going to have the feeling I could have done more if I just had another year or two of being healthy I don't know what I could have achieved it's the difficulty of having it taken away from you rather than deciding yourself as I would love to be out there still so I feel like there's still that frustration in her that you know her body ultimately kind of let her down and I think that's the biggest shame because we saw how much of a talent she was on on the tennis court and you know her ability and as you said her kind of shot making as well and the fact that she kind of burst onto the scene with these high profile wins obviously that run as well with Andy Murray um in the mixed doubles at the Olympics winning the uh the silver medal um I remember that final against uh Mernyi and uh Azarenka very very close on that championship tie break to very very close to Agonizing getting that goal. I know it was so annoying I also remember that Heather Watson was not happy that Andy Murray had had effectively chosen to go with Laura Robson um, over her, but it was a another moment I think that really kind of put her up, put her on the map with kind of British tennis fans. And although, as I said, we're going to hopefully see her in in years to come in in a different capacity, it was just a shame I think on the court her body was not up to I feel like the level of of talent that you know she was able to display. Completely agree. Completely agree with all of that. Um, that is definitely a fun bit of trivia, right? That. She was the person that put Kleister into retirement and then Kleister mm. came back and Kleister's retired again. <laughs> I, I, before Laura I should Robson have caveated, yes. I should have put an asterisk next to, put. sorry, put her into retirement for the first third? time? First time? First, first, second time? Second time. I've lost we'll count. Say. I've lost count. Let's say I've second, count. yeah. <laughs> but yes, yes. I mean, yeah, sad, but, you know, we move on. We will hear her voice. She's a great commentator. So um, looking forward to hearing hearing her um you know moving forward but let 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 us kind of move forward and let's let's get on to the kind of the the big part the big kind of talking points for this episode here we the go french open draws french open men french open women we're going to do some predictions we've also got of course our collector set player pick uh reveals as well which we'll get on to at the end of the episode but yeah let's start with the french open men's draw what <laughs> What were you thinking uh, when this kind of got announced? Because, yeah, it's it's crazy to think that we have got four of the top six men's players in the top half alone. And you're looking at quarter one, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal. I feel like for, for me as a sort of neutral, that was the one scenario I don't think I wanted. I mean... I felt sorry. So the the poor chap that was announcing it is um his name is Quentin Philon Mallet, who's a French biathlete. And I don't think he was expecting the first time he was calling out names to almost get kind of 
gasps and boos from the crowd, <laughs> um, not quite knowing the magnitude of what he just announced. But I think it's kind of it's the worst news that any tennis fan could probably receive that Djokovic and Nadal were in that same quarter. I think it's um, it's tensions will be high, tensions behind the room. I think when you when they kept kind of saying more and more great clay quarters and kind of top players in that even in that top quarter, like you've got the likes of uh, obviously Dimitrov. Schwartzman, obviously a fantastic play quarter. Yeah, Ojalia Seem pushed Djokovic really, really hard, you know, a uh, few weeks ago. So, yeah, it's it's uh, really kind of stacked quarter one, isn't it? And uh, you know, I yeah, you know, I was you know in the build up, you know, I was seeing Rafa uh, videos on social media of him, um, you know, practicing um, on Chatrier, and it looked like it looked like he was dare I say back to you know one hundred percent health. There was not really any sort of obvious kind of mobility or movement issues with his foot so you know that gave me a little bit more kind of optimism about kind of what his kind of chances are but you know I think for him and as I said landing in in Djokovic's quarter it's sort of I think just sort of tempered expectations a little bit and as you said there is a lot of there is a lot of quality you know in this quarter I mean let's just start with kind of Novak Djokovic because you know he could you know, face, uh, you know, Nishioka in, in round one. He's got Jensen Brooksby potentially as a third round uh, opponent. But, you know, it does get quite interesting for him beyond that because, you know, Dimitrov's had a pretty good clay season. Schwartzman, we can never count out on, on the clay court. And, you know, Felix Ojaliasim, we're just, sort of, still, we're sort of just waiting, you know, waiting for him. To, we're still waiting and waiting and waiting. Yes. And, uh, of course, Riley Opelka as well, who's, he's playing pretty well at the moment. He's into, uh, what I think the semi-finals in is he in Geneva or is he in Lyon? I think he's in Lyon. No, he's in Geneva. Yeah. No, he's in Geneva. But you know, with his massive kick serve, you know, he's always I feel like going to be a threat as well. So it's yeah, it's it's quite a packed draw, and you've got Stan Wawrinka as well. Stan down there, potential second round for Nadal, I believe. Mm. That'll be a test. But on um, the foot injury for Nadal, I was going to say I think. The nature of his injury is that it flares up at times. So I think it's something where normally he's able to manage it because it's something he's had for a long time. So I think that's maybe why when mm. you saw him, it looked like he was kind of back to back to health because it is a flare up sort of injury. Um, so hoping that won't be too much of a problem. But as you said, in Djokovic's um, kind of potential round uh, round two, that's not a bad one. But it is against uh, the Mulkan who is having a good run. He took out Kachanov, um, I think that was yesterday, and he's now through to the semis as well, who's now coached by Djokovic's old coach, Marion Vida. So although that might not be too difficult a match on paper, there certainly will be a point to be proved yeah, in that one. Definitely. Brooksby's playing well. I saw him in Rome. He's quite unconventional um, in his approach, but I think it would be great to see him get some experience in the big stage. It's great to see... Um, some of the American talent coming up as well. I'm just thinking about Djokovic recently at Grand Sams. He loves losing like an opening set to a young and up and coming, young and up and coming player. Yeah, exactly, Jack Draper. something yeah, like that. J- uh, Jensen Brooksby as well. At, uh, what the US Open? Um, really? Yeah. So you know, um, was it US Open? Yeah, I'm pretty sure US Open. Um, wow. Uh, Lorenzo Massetti as well. Um, oh you know, god, that one. <laughs> so. You know, Alex Molkan in second round. I'm, I'm almost expecting him to win 
win the first set and then losing four is, is yeah maybe a first set bagel sort of kindly and, saying. And yeah no um, around. <laughs> but yeah it's uh you know it's a very packed draw i think we're all sort of expecting it still to end up as a kind of maybe rafa Djokovic quarterfinal i mean mm-hmm. how like on a scale of one to ten how angry are you that that we have had we've got this situation or you're not that fussed about it i would put myself probably on the livid end of the spectrum mm. um because i think it's on one to ten i'm probably about an 11.5 <laughs> i just think it's just one of those things where you want to see them both do better in a tournament and i think with um the nature of the fact that Djokovic is playing well mm. again and has kind of re- rediscovered his form yeah. kind of makes it a bit more om- om- ominous um but i mean when it comes to my predictions in that area i think it's um I mean, I find it hard to see past Djokovic for that one, but I do think they'll both reach that stage. Fognini, maybe he'll produce something magic in that very bottom part of the the top quarter, but I can't see past Nadal and Djokovic. How annoyed are you? I'd I put myself at an eight or nine. I do th- I do think this is a relatively calm. Then I do <laughs> I do think this is a like I do think you know looking at this, I think just general tennis fans, uh, you know, Grand Slam fans, I don't think they will care as much potentially as you know people who you know, follow you know the tour it you know, the tour you know kind of day in day out not just slams but also all the tour events as well and um you know w- whether this leads to something in the future about how you know seeds are distributed i oh. think if there is a moment for that to happen you know for the french open i think you know we would have to look at this draw because i think there are going to be people out there including myself that just says if you are the number one seed, you should not be getting like the number the number five seed um in your you know your top quarter. If you've earned the right to be the number one seed, top Maybe. player in the world, etc., you should in theory have a you know a nice draw and a, you know a, a relatively easier draw than other other players. And I feel like time and time again we've seen it where you know it's not necessarily just been Novak Djokovic, but we've seen where the top seed their path has has been more problematic than say other kind of seeded players so i i do think you know this could potentially lead to some sort of you know review and maybe it maybe it should uh, uh roland garros because it's just a bit silly and i think it just robs the fans potentially you know of a you know an even greater spectacle um you know and and not have it just like on a you know <laughs> the second tuesday potentially so you know i do think it could be something that could be it could be looked at, but hey ho, let's let's move on. Let's move on to quarter two because, again, this is another I think very packed, um, you know, very packed uh, part of the draw. Um, we've got Sasha Zverev uh, in here uh, as the as the kind of top seed in quarter two, but we've also got Carlos Alcaraz, who you know we're all sort of expecting big things from him. So, you know, again, two players who are very, very, who are playing very, very well at the moment. I mean, Zverev, interestingly, who could have, you know, he's got a qualifier in the first round, but co- could come up against Sebastian Baez uh, in the second round and also potentially Davidovich uh, Fakina in the third round. And I always feel like with Zverev, we've seen him have very, very slow starts um, at Grand Slams where, you know, he's gone down, I think last year at the French Open in his, his first round match, he was he was down two sets before he won in, in you know, relatively comfortable uh, you know, next three sets in, in five sets. So I feel like he can't have 
can't afford that slow start given some potential players he could face um, in the early rounds. Mm, I think, wasn't it the first time he reached a quarterfinal? Almost every match went five sets at mm. the French. Yeah. He loves to slog out a match at the French. So I think um, from his draw perspective, I reckon he'll, he might have, you know, he'll lose a set here or there. Um, I think Davidic, Fakina, that's a pretty tricky draw. And inspired Davidic, yeah, Fakina, he can do some serious damage. He's obviously had a great result in um, Monte Carlo, um, which was fantastic. I think a lot of expectation on Sasha here. I saw him play in Rome. And when he is hitting the ball and hitting through the ball, he he plays really well. And I, I kind of wonder why he's not more aggressive because he kind of gets into those sorts of matches where he allows players who are ranked quite a bit below him to kind of dictate a bit. Um, and I think that's quite odd considering, you know, when he was first up and coming on the tour, he was free swinging. He would really go for it and he would hit quite a lot. So I think that's something where hopefully he will kind of um, hit because he does, when he plays against Djokovic of the top players, he really goes for it. Um, but I think he struggles to find that balance against some of the, the lower ranked players. So I'm sure a few sets will be lost, a couple of five setters before he gets to sort of the third round to, uh, to face Fakina if they both make it there. But um, again, I, this was another gasp when Carlos got announced in the same half of the draw because they are obviously the top three favourites for the title. And again, it's not good for the tournament. It's not good for kind of the fans in that sense because you want to see Carlos versus Nadal and Djokovic or you want to see it kind of vice versa in that sense you want that to be a passage where you get to have more than one of those encounters as opposed to we know that we will only be having maximum one if they both get there because that really was something that kind of lit up Madrid definitely and you know Alcaraz's draw arguably a little bit I think smoother than potentially Zverev's could be you know Karen Kachinov I don't think you know he's, he's I don't think he's going to be much you know, much of a threat potentially. Yes, Seb Corder is there. Well, Seb Corder, Seb Corder, that would be a potential third round for Alcaraz. And that's the last man he lost to. He's won 16 of his last 17 matches. That is very good knowledge. I completely forgot about that. But yes. That was like a three hour, <laughs> a three hour um, mm. match, wasn't it? That was, yeah. A, that was very, at the very start, wasn't it? In Mon- was that in Monte, was that in Monte I think Carlo? That was, I want to say it's Monte Carlo because then I was like, yes. Seb Corder, he's going, he's going to be brilliant. And yeah. then he lost three in love in Barcelona the next week. Yes, exactly. Some, yeah, exactly. He does of, blow, but... I feel like he does blow hot and cold, but he. Do, I do think he is a man for for a big occasion. I do think he likes playing in the, the slam arena. So I would be excited to see a, a Sebi Corder, Carlos Alcaraz potential third round. I mean, we've also got Cam Norrie as well. He is the top seed in Lyon this week. I think he is in the semi-finals at the moment. Again, I think he's in quite a nice part of the draw. I think Karen Kachanoff is a a nice seed to have, you know, he around really you. Is. He really especially in a Grand Slam, he's a great seed to have. I could see, you know, with this draw, Norrie's got a wild card, uh, you know, first up. I mean, he could come across Dominic Team or, or maybe in, in the third round, though that feels a bit of a stretch at the moment. Um, mm. But, you know, Norrie, I think, has got a good chance here of certainly getting to a fourth round match potentially against Alcaraz, who again, I think he, you know, he pushed Alcaraz pretty, mm. pretty hard, pretty hard in, in, uh, in Madrid. So, um, you know, I think he's also got quite, quite a decent draw um, in front For of him. For a non-clay quarter, mm. that's as, as good a draw as you can really get. I think we've got to talk about the team match against Hugo Delian of Bolivia. 
Is he going to win a match? I don't think he will. I know he's lost <sighs> the last six matches, only won one set, and that was against John Millman. I swear he keeps losing these matches, and then he goes straight onto social media to tell everyone it's okay. Yeah. I'm fine. He's having a coffee somewhere, and it's a journey. <laughs> yeah. what it and I'll just put up be. some really nice image of me playing tennis. Yeah, I just think it's, you know, once he's kind of got onto this sort of streak... I think it's going to be something where it's going to be tricky to break. And I, when mm. I saw the draw, I thought, right, this is going to be the one. And then I had a look at some of the results of Delian and he pushed her catch in Madrid. He had some good results in some other tournaments where he took out um, uh, Rune, Aruna mm-hmm. in um, qualifiers of like Rome last week. He's had some decent, some decent matches. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, not feeling it. You don't think he's going to break the duck? Will five sets help? Because he said he always says that I'd love mm. it to have gone three, but I, I think he, I think he might not get it done. I don't want to say that. That feels like I'm a bit of a, you know, a negative person in that sense. But I just think that maybe the grandson will lift him. I'll say that maybe the grandson will yeah. lift him. That's what I, I that's what I was thinking. You know, if there's one slam, you know, he's obviously got great memories. Um, you know, at the French Open, it very much suits his game. He is slowly but surely coming back there. So I do wonder if it will kind of lift his his game but yeah Hugo Delian not uh it's going to be quite a tough you know quite a tough kind of customer and again he will be probably looking at being like you know I've got an opportunity here yeah, to um, a big win yeah exactly so um you know uh, that will be an interesting first round match certainly to kind of look at but uh yeah let's move on to the bottom half because this I feel like uh Chris is when we just get into mm. <laughs> particularly we'll go to quarter <laughs> four where I feel like yeah. it's just a completely open draw a man and his dog could get to those the, predictions were hard <laughs> trying to find someone that i thought would make it mm. but i mean <laughs> quarter three we've got casper rude stefanos sissipas i mean just just generally talking about sissipas everyone is 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 saying looking at how the draw has unfolded he is probably the person who's got the biggest gain you know from the fact that alcaraz nadal djokovic zverev all in that top half feels like a lot of people think, you know, Sissipas, the red carpet has sort of been rolled out for him to get to, you know, another French Open final, you know, obviously from doing that for the first time last year against Novak Djokovic. I mean, he's got Lorenzo Massetti in the first round, which is quite interesting. You know, Massetti obviously pushed Djokovic to five sets um, in Paris. So, you know, that could be quite tricky. But at the same time, I'm not quite sure. I don't. I feel like I was I was sort of expecting a bit more from Massetti to kind of kick on. Um, yeah. Still feel like we only know him from like that nearly result. The nearly result and the Paris meltdown. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do agree. And he's got, he gets a lot of coverage and there's a lot of mm. hype around him, but he's one of those people who kind of hasn't let the racket do the talking so far. Not yet. No, um, I agree. But I do think Stefanos is the big winner of the draw. Um, if we're being completely frank, I think... He has avoided some really tricky encounters, um, mm. which he could have had, and some tricky opponents um, that could be in his half. I mean, he's avoided all of his sort of biggest competitors, um, which I mean, you can't complain at that. I think it's his it's his quarter to lose, really. I think Casper will have uh, a good, a really, a really good run here. I think we all want to see him do well and go deep at another Grand Slam. I think that's something that would be great for some of the competition, some of the rivalries with some of the other sort of sort of next next gen in that sense but i think um it's sad that he's got songa though in the first round i feel you know, know. Songa, last tournament 
I mean, I'm assuming surely that's going to get put on a, you know, that's going to get oh, put on Chatrier, yeah, 100%. Of course, of but course. I feel like he probably would have thought, oh, could I, could I get a nice draw, maybe get another win under my belt before going out in a blaze of glory to mm. someone in, in the second or maybe third round. But it feels like rude is the end of the road, maybe it for is. Joe Wilfred's career. But uh, it's going to be, I think that's going to be an emotion. That will obviously be in a very emotional one. It'll be interesting to see how Rude actually probably handles that occasion and that moment because that French crowd is probably going to be very obviously pro Songa in his last match. And, um, you know, he's going to need to be able to handle the occasion as much as, you know, the player across the court. And, um, you know, it'll be, uh, you know, it could be quite a tricky situation to handle. I mean, other players in this part of the draw i mean i wasn't really so much looking at the other seeds you know yes there is francis tiafo sonigo and, and herkaj shapovalov as well but i'm chris looking at holgaroon yes he's got shapovalov first round i think that's a great round one match uh for for the fans i'm putting on i'm putting shapovalov on on upset alert there i think i think holgaroon is very very dangerous and I would not be surprised if, you know, he really kind of pushes Shapovalov to the limit. I think Dennis will get it. I think that would be, Ooh, hopefully, okay. there'll be kind of another, um, well, maybe a, a full set match there. But I think that Dennis was pretty switched on, especially in Rome. I thought it was quite impressive. Um, I feel like having a very quietly impressive clay court season is Diminar. He's had some yes, good results. That's I, yes, kind of gone, I agree. bubbled mm. under the surface, hasn't yep. it? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think um, not really, not really spoken about him. Yes, he's not won any any tournaments, but certainly I've been impressed with how he's performed on uh, the you know the clay. Uh, he's, he's got Hugo, yeah, exactly, and he's got Hugo Gaston in, in the first round. Who again he had that amazing match, didn't he? Uh, was it against Stat? Was it against Favrinka? Um, when and was that one? That was a. I feel like that was a while ago. Maybe I'm making it up. No, I believe you. I believe you. Okay, I believe myself as well. I'm gonna, yes, I'm gonna go for it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know that again could be quite a fun match, certainly for the the Parisian crowd as well. You know, and and getting a qualifier in the second round. I mean, there's a big opportunity there, certainly at least to get to the to the third round. You'd feel for you know one of those players, but yeah, Dumanor, another player, definitely one to to watch in that part. But it still feels like you know, Sissipas, if he's got his game together, and he doesn't, I guess, let the demons of what happened last year in Roland Garros get mm. to him. Um, he's certainly got a big opportunity to go to go deep again in the tournament. What about British interest with Dan Evans? Mm. He's potentially could have a third round against Sitsipas. Could he cause many problems and, and will he get there? No. Um, no. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think... I think there's a you know there's possibility he could get to the you know the third round. I don't think his draw is is too crazy. Um, you know he's got Serendolo in the first round. Yeah, Serendolo is a pretty you know knows his way around a clay court. Could be could be a bit of a test. I hope we see the Dan Evans that turned up in in Madrid because I thought he played really really well there. So um, it, we'll just have to wait and see. But you know his his results have been very kind of you know it has made me think he's just sort of thinking let's get to the grass court season let's when get I can... to grass yeah. yeah i'm still hoping for monte carlo was it 2021 djokovic mm. form that's what i'm hoping for <laughs> dan evans the clay quarter yes exactly seen that since no but, exactly yeah. exactly so um yeah I'm, I'm sort of expecting 
yeah, at the very best, maybe a, a third round meeting with, um, sorry, a fourth round. No, sorry, a third round meeting yeah, third round. with, with Sister Pass. Um, Looks like um, Amelie Moresmo might have um, managed to sneak Lucas Pui, her former. <laughs> uh, oh, well, well, the wild, former coach yeah, with of the wild, the wild card. card, yeah, Classic, yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't good. wouldn't be uh would would surprise me, but uh no, yeah, but good good to see him in the draw. But also against a qualifier as well. I mean, that's that's like a double. That's a she double. was there, just saying she was yeah, there. That, Maybe that's she a, pulls that's some a double helping, isn't it? Wild card and a qualifier. That is. Yeah. Why couldn't you do that for Joe Wilfred Songa? Come on, come yeah, on! It's his last he match. It's he his last it. match. Um, sorry, his last event. But um, yeah. Let let's let's Here look at finally the 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 bottom the bottom quarter. quarter. Fourth quarter. This <laughs> is who, who, yeah, it's an absolute, you know, an open, it's open. It is so open. Daniel Medvedev is the, technically is the, the, the highest seed, um, you know, at the very bottom of the draw. He lost to Gasquet this week I in, mean... in Geneva. We, we shouldn't have put too much, you know, he's coming back from surgery, you know, you shouldn't put too much on, you know, first match back, but. This is just gonna. I just feel like this is gonna open up. Yes, Rublev is there. Yannick Sinner is there. I feel like this is made. This part of the draw is made for Yannick Sinner personally. But who knows? There are other. Marin Cilic could have a late renaissance potentially. Or Kekmanovic has been playing pretty decent over the last few months. So I think yes. there's a lot of. There's quite a few dangerous kind of floaters in this in this part of the draw and i'm not necessarily expecting uh the top seeds like medvedev rublev potentially to be one of the ones we're going to be seeing mm. in the semi-final mm. i think this might get messy joel this section i think we might <laughs> see you know someone might get an upset then they might lose to someone else that we no one's mm. heard of in the next round that sort of thing i think there'll be some good ones um i think that karena buster i think he's had obviously that great run in barcelona and hasn't necessarily backed it up but he loves the big stage. We've seen that before. So I think he definitely deserves an mm. honourable mention. I think that we've also got, um, as you say, Ketmanovic. I think what a great story after he was drawn to play Novak Djokovic in the Australian Open. Mm. And then he replaced him as the number one yeah. seed or something he like that. He did really well. And, and then he got to the fourth round and he's had six quarterfinals since then. And one of them was the semifinal. So he took that opportunity and ran with it. And He's got a great draw here and he's just say he won't run with it again because he really, he's impressive when it comes to yeah. uh, his ball striking. I mean, how, how far, how far do you think, how much expectation have you got for, for Daniel Medvedev? Mm, mm, well, <laughs> after the Gasquet performance, I have to double check <laughs> on my phone that that actually happened. But um, after the Gasquet performance, I was thinking... Probably not not that much expectation. I know that last year he kind of defeated his clay demons. Um, clay Videv. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, that quarterfinal. But I personally don't think that he's going to, I don't think he's going to get past the, the third, third. I don't think he's going to make a quarterfinal. I'll say that. That's a safer bet. Um, but I think maybe it might free him up a bit, you know, that no expectations. He doesn't have expectations on clay. Um, if he doesn't get too annoyed at the fact that, you know, he's on the dirt, then I think there could be a good opportunity. But I mean, for, for Rublev, we should have mentioned as well, this is a very good draw. Um, he hasn't had the greatest clay court season so far, but I think if he was going to do something with the French, this is the draw to do it with. But you seem to be kind of picking 
Sinner. Yeah, over him I still think I'm. I still think Sinner. For me, if if that happens, Sinner Rublev. I'm. Yeah, I'm sort of. I feel like I've seen better tennis from Sinner. Um, so far this season. Although having mm. said that, you know, Rublev. Yeah, a it's a t- titles. It's a toss up. It's a. It feels like a toss up, but I, it's, it's certainly a part of the draw that you know these players will think there's you know there's an opportunity there's a real opportunity here to to get to you know the semi final and if you consider you know <laughs> in the top quarter in order to get to the semi final you might have to come through Djokovic Nadal. Um, Al- you know, Alcaraz. Sasha's up there. Yeah, exactly. You you would definitely bite your hand off to get into that. To yeah, get into you that would. You would indeed. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's let's make some predictions. Right. Mine are, mine are usually awful. Um, and you know, Kim is obviously not here, so I'm going to have to sort of represent represent Joel and Kim. I feel with Passing with my prediction. <laughs> yeah, with my sort of rubbish predictions but where are you where are you going with first right so this is um this has been difficult because I also thought you know standing in for Kim maybe I should have picked Nadal for the semi-final so I can only apologize to Kim but I went with Djokovic and Alcaraz for the semi-final in terms of getting out of their quarters and then I went for Sitsipas and Karena Busta um mm, interesting I did indeed PCB yeah, exactly. Um, and then for the final, I went for a Djokovic Sitsipas final with a Djokovic win. So you think a rematch of last year? Yeah, and I think the memory of last year will be too much for Sitsipas, and I think it will be um, a pretty a pretty simple affair. I think Alcaraz, it might be too soon for him. I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't kind of. He's proven at every point that he can do it on the, and he can win these big matches, but. In a five set against Djokovic at the French, I think experience might um, win over kind of youth in that situation. But what do I know? This is my first time doing these predictions, Joel. <laughs> Tell me what will happen. They, your, all your all your predictions will just crash and burn. Um, oh, that's how it works. Or, yeah, basically, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's what it's what's happened in, in I feel like all our all our preview <laughs> pods over over the last few years. But um, yeah, I think. For me, I've gone slightly differently. Um, I'm I'm still back in Rafa. Um, you know, my top half semi-final. I've got a Nadal Alcaraz uh meetup, and then in the bottom half, I've got Sissipas Yannick Sinner. I'm going with an Alcaraz Sissipas final. I think Al. I think Rafa will beat. For some reason, I've I've I think Rafa versus Djokovic will happen in the quarters, and Rafa will have to go some and and will do it will go some to win that but he will not be a hundred percent i feel for that semi-final and uh i think alcaraz will take advantage of that um so that's why i've got alcaraz winning over over rafa and, and as i said i think point, right because rafa it's, it's gonna be to hard to go back to back that that player whoever you know, potentially comes through that's going to be i think quite tough against to someone like against <laughs> <laughs> someone like alcaraz but you know sinner sissipas yeah i think i've got sissipas kind of coming through i just think this bottom half of the draw is just made for, for stefan or sissipas to just come through and, and get to the final and um and i've got that again so alcaraz v sissipas but I do think it's going to be Carlos Alcaraz. I'm going with the Cinderella story, Chris. I'm going Carlos Alcaraz. We'd love to see it. We'd love to see it. 
he beats Rafa in the semis and then goes on um, and wins in the final against um, against Sissipas. So I'm going Carlos Alcaraz winning his maiden Grand Slam title. First of many. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting, interesting men's draw. Um, we're going to take a quick break now, but I hope you can join us in the second half. And we're going to be having a look at the women's draw as well as revealing our collect a set player picks so do not go anywhere welcome back to the passing shot with joel and kim sponsored by downloadtennis.com and we're now going to move on to the women's draw chris quarter one eager on tech at the top i mean let's just talk about the, the women's draw in general it's sort of given me similar vibes actually to the, the men's draw because Again, you look at the players in that top path, Igor Sviontek included, it still feels a little bit weighted towards that top path, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd agree. I think it didn't quite get the same gasps or attention kind of as the Nadal Djokovic section did. But when you think about who's in that top path, you've got Igor, you've got Simona Halep, Ostapenko, obviously a former champion, Pagula's having great form at the moment. It does feel pretty stacked. So I think um, it's definitely one where there's a lot of... um, an awful lot of people who, you know, in, in the nature of the women's game, who could have a good run and could cause some damage. So a stacked top half for sure. But ultimately, does it matter? Because Iga Sviontek is just <laughs> on an absolute warpath um, at the moment. And, you know, look again, looking at her draw, yes, she's a top seed. Yes, it could have been slightly easier. What is quite interesting is she could have, you know, she has got Ostapenko potentially in the foreground. and. Ostapenko was the last player to beat Sviontek, so I really hope that match could potentially happen. That is true. She was the last woman to beat. I think that was in was that in Dubai on mm. um, the title run that Ostapenko had, and then she hasn't really won many matches since then. I was looking slightly sooner than that for some trouble that could be. Um, when I say trouble, it's kind of trouble in inverted commas for Eager. But Samsonova, who she played in Stuttgart. And that was a three hours and two minutes match with 7-5 in the third. And that was probably one of the best matches of the year so far. Um, and Ego was on the ropes. And I think it was a real big yep. turning point yep. for you know Agreed. the winning run that she was on. Because if that had gone a different way, the story would be quite different. But the fact that she had that really tough match against her kind of just meant that everything else since then has been plain sailing. I'm not sure she's lost a set since. And... Um, I think that's probably, you know, given how well she's been playing and how easy she's been beating all the top players, that might be her sort of worst case scenario. Third round potentially could be probably worst case scenario would be like a Saka round one or something like that, obviously. But Samsonova, she didn't enjoy that one as much as she has kind of sweeping everyone off the court since then. Yeah, I remember that match because I think the the previous match was against Radicanu and I was thinking, mm. oh, I was I was impressed with how Radicani was able to keep it close yeah. with Sviontek across four four. two, across yeah, across both sets. Because I feel like recently we've just seen, you know, some the best we've got is some players giving her a tight first set, but then Sviontek running away with it. So it was really mm. impressive, I think, to see with Samsonova how she was able to carry it through all and, and give a real give a real battle, I think, to Sviontek. Right so to that could be. End. Yeah, that could be quite a fun third round match if that that does happen. I mean, I, I say Ostapenko potentially in the in the fourth round. Simona Halep might have something mm. to say about that, and 
we remember, you know, when Sviontech won, you know, the, the sorry, won the French Open a few years ago, there was that, I feel like almost like a turning point in her career when she had that match against Simona Halep in, in the fourth round. And, you know, we were thinking, we were thinking with that tournament, you know, this was Simona Halep's time. She was just going to stroll through. She was playing mm. great tennis. Mm. And then Iga Sviontek just had completely other ideas. So it's, it would be fascinating to see. It could be a potential, another French Open fourth round rematch. They love a French a French Open fourth round. <laughs> they do, I, don't they? They do. I remember they played, that was when Iga burst onto the scene mm. in 2000, and, was it 2019? Mm. When kind of as a, well, I mean, obviously just not a teenager, but as a, a teenager, then she got, was it 6-1, 6 love? I think it was in the fourth round. And then the following year, she rocks up in October and uh, and wants to, I think, one and two. And that was an unbelievable display of hitting. So I think that would be an interesting one to watch. And maybe the stars are aligning for another fourth round encounter. <laughs> um, it seems like that's what the draw, that's what the draw wants. And yeah, I think just looking below that, you know, there is yes. certainly, I think, opportunities for someone unseeded. I'm looking at someone like Kalanina um, from Ukraine, who's been, I think, very been playing some very decent tennis last few really weeks. Could potentially, you know, I think, you know, maybe even get to you know quarterfinal. We've we've seen, you know, we've seen like players we've not really have not really been on the map like Zidanecek last year. Um, go really, really deep, and um, you know, I'm I'm looking at someone potentially like Kalanina to cause some cause some trouble. You know, Pliskova is in this part of the draw, but I've not really seen much of her. Yes, she's playing this week, and she's she you know she's still in, but um, you know, I think there's opportunity here for the unseeded players to potentially, yeah, come through to you know a quarterfinal meeting against you know whoever it is, probably Sviontek, but maybe maybe Halep or you know maybe Ostapenko who knows yeah I think um there's a great opportunity there for Kalanina I'd also put a little mark against that in the draw mm. uh, she's been playing some great tennis who had a fantastic win over Muguruza and obviously against Radikanu yeah. she was yeah. impressive the way that she could have gone away and she really didn't so that's a very good shout I think Alexandrova's kind of had a return to form she had some some good wins on the clay court season but I do think Pliskova having a good week the week before and then having some potentially not too difficult sort of first couple of matches, it might be sort of the run in that she needs. Joel, um, who is Pliskova playing in the first round? I know, that is a very good question. I mean, they've got a fantastic name, Tessa Adriana Fitrimo. 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 I'm already going to apologise to listeners because I I've, I've definitely have not got that pronunciation right. I'm going to have to put it on the pronunciation. An list. amazing, an, ama- an amazing name. I'm I'm curious to see how they're going to shorten that on a scoreboard. That's board. not going to fit on a scoreboard, is it? No. Hey, great, great name for Scrabble. Um, but yeah, curious <laughs> to see how that scoring. Yes. Yeah, curious to see how that fits in uh, on a scoreboard. Um, moving on to quarter two. Um, Paula Bedosa um, is in here with Sabalenka as well. I love you. I loved Chris. You put on our notes. Return of Taylor Townsend as well. It's big I know news. you have to get there. I know against Caroline Garcia, one of Kim's favourites as well. In the, in well, the first Kim, round. game on. I'm back in Taylor <laughs> for that one. Mm. It's a fairy tale, fairy tale story. She's used her provisional ranks to get back in. She's had a a lovely little child, and she's um yeah, she's back out there on the tour. She, ha- I'm not sure how much she's played on clay though, so it'll be interesting. And she is a bit of a she loves a volley, so I think that one is destined for a lot of variety. And 
Garcia at the French. Will she play her best tennis? Um, I'm glad that's the first thing we've talked about about this this, this quarter <laughs> is the return of Taylor Townsend because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> right, your two minutes on Taylor Townsend is up. Let's talk about okay. the let's talk about the seeds. I mean, I've I don't feel like we've seen the best of of Bedosa so far on the clay. I, I was sort of feel like I've been expecting more from mm. her, particularly at the you know the WTA 1000 events where you know she's been one of the highest seeds, and I've not really felt like she's lived up to her billing, but. Again, quite a, I feel like quite a nice draw to sort of get, you know, she's got quite a few kind of qualifiers around her potentially that could give her that opportunity to ease in to the tournament. Um, and then, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like the, the bottom part is a lot tougher because you've got players like Collins, Kasatkina, as I said, Sabalenka as well. For me, the, my sort of not my issue with Paula Bedos, that's too strong, but when, when you see some of the results and some of the hitting she can do, it's it's phenomenal. But then almost every tournament, she'll get one good win against a, a top player and then she'll be made to look quite ordinary. You know, mm. I think yeah. that's happened a couple of times where, you know, I didn't expect Kasakina to take her out like four and four straight sets or in Madrid, a three and one against Simona Halep. Um, and again, in Stuttgart, I think it was straight sets against, I think it was Sabalenka in the semi-final. So it's kind of, it's not been the breakthrough that we would have been potentially hoping mm. for or kind of expecting. I think Kudamentova for a third round is a tricky clash. I think Rubikina, obviously, she beat Serena last year, got to kind of a maiden quarterfinal. Um, I think she can cause some problems, but I do think Paula's got a, a good draw and with some of the, the trickier um, matches potentially in that bottom part of this. Sabalenka, what do we think about her draw? What do we think about her chances? Um, I think she's going to blitz some of her competition earlier on. I'd, I I can see her just sort of dismantling Chloe Paquet in the yeah. in the first round, like you know, like almost like one and one potentially. But I think and you know that one game will be four double faults. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think you know she could come up against someone like her, as I said, a, a Collins. Or a Kasatkina, who you know had a great tournament, um, you know in in Rome. So, you know, I think that could be more difficult. Where you know she comes up against players where just hitting them off the court is not is not going to happen so easily. Um, Kasatkina is my one to watch for this for this mm, um, quarter. Yeah, I think certainly for me as well. Collins as well is them. interesting. Colin Sabalenka would be fun. I feel like that's a funny match on, on a clay court. You want to see that more on a grass or a hard court? Yeah, I'm not sure. I saw Danielle play, um, as we talked about before, I think the last time I was on it, I think it came up. Big Danielle Collin fan, so is Joel now. <laughs> and I was watching... That match against, against Simona Hallett? I was there, I was courtside, yeah. like front row. I was really um, cheering on Danielle, uh, which was not the popular person to be cheering on at the time. But um, Danielle was so impressive. She just unbelievable hitting and then the next match and Isimova did the same to her so it's hard to know it's hard to know you just know though if it was Colin Sabalenka it would just be so there would be screaming noisy it there would be, be lots of eye staring it'd be very intense eye and I, would, I would be Definitely I, there'd rolling. be lots of eye rolling yeah there'd be it'd be it'd be great I think from that point of view but I think Kasatkina could have something to say about that yeah I think um I think the variety of Kasatkina might cause a bit too many problems and a bit too many uncomfortable shots. But she can get in her head, Kasakina. So I'm hoping that this is the, the breakthrough tournament for her. Moving on to the bottom half, 
interestingly, we've got Unjabor, I feel, headlining. She, I think, has been playing, I've said this on the pod before, I think she, for me, has been playing the number two tennis <laughs> below kind of Eagersfield Tech on the clay so far. Um, and, you know, again, she's got a few, there's quite a few big names in this in this quarter. We sort of have labelled it as the quarter of death, I think, in the women's draw, given there is Jabor, but there's also Radicanu. There's also Naomi Osaka, Amanda Anisimova. Uh, we've got Kvitova, Kerber. There's a lot of Sakari. There's a lot. Of, all the all the seeds here have all got kind of either past glories or have been playing great tennis this season. And uh, you know, for someone like Onshabor, who you know is up there and is going to be full of confidence, again, this is going to be quite a tricky path. I feel to navigate. Yeah, I think so too. I would say Onz's results have been really impressive. I think something that I was really shocked by was. I was there for the Sakari match in Rome and that was one where she did not turn up for the first two sets. She was match point down at 5-2 in the second, 6-1, 5-2. And if she has one of those days and she doesn't suddenly sort of manage to produce a miracle turnaround where like Sakari kind of went completely into meltdown, you know, some of these players might be able to cause a bit of a problem because I think maybe there's like concentration. Um, I'm not sure if it's concentration, but... Uh, on plays how she feels, you know, and if, if she's not feeling great, then I think that kind of showed in that scoring match, but she was able to turn it around. Um, and so a tricky encounter early on, there's a lot of expectation on her as well for this French, a lot of talk. It'll be interesting to see how she plays her first Grand Slam as a major contender. I think that would be definitely interesting to see. But as you say, Joel, there are so many players that might not be in their peak form at the moment, but players that you know, who could always be dangerous, like the Kvitovas, the Kerbers. Um, I saw some Petra Martic when I was in um, Rome. She's playing Andrescu there. And she she's a really great player and she's got a great coach at the moment and she's had some great results at the French. She's had a few inspired runs and she's got a good section. So I think that'll be interesting. Bianca, big Bianca fan. I know. Um, I'm pretty pleased with this draw that she's got... Um, a qualifier in round one, but potentially tricky Benchich encounter. But hopefully she can take a lot from that Fiontek result in Rome yeah. where she had that tight first set. Yeah. But she, I she's mean, been playing well. She's been playing better than I was expecting on, on the yeah. court, being quite honest. Yeah, she's never really had a proper clay season. So mm. I think it's kind of an unknown quantity and hopefully she can um, do some damage. We haven't talked about potentially the match of round one for the women's draw of Anisimova Osaka. That is going to be blockbuster. It's probably one of the pick of the ties across, you know, the men and women's mm. draw. Uh, you know, Anna Samova beat Osaka um, at the Australian Open. So, what was that? Seven six in the third. Mm. Like it was a Champions tiebreak. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tense. And Anna Samova's been playing some. I think I've what I've seen of her so far this this season on the clay has been pretty good. And Osaka, you know, there's fitness concerns you know she you know has had she had to pull out i think of rome because of of injury issues so i, I don't know how close to 100 percent she's going to be for that anisimova match i actually think anisimova goes in as the favorite um i would agree but uh, again it's another blockbuster tie that I'm, I'm sure a lot of fans will be interested in seeing and uh yeah it'll be It'll be fascinating, I think, to see how Anisimova gets on because, as I say, I think she's been playing well, but not necessarily getting as far as maybe her tennis has shown. And 
potentially, you know, in this quarter, yes, there is, you know, Zachary kind of lurking around her, but I certainly think this is an opportunity for her to also, also go deep and show, show that what she can truly do on the clay court. I mean, remember that French Open semi, Ash Barty, I mean, that was a phenomenal performance. That was her real breakout tournament. And she's been playing well. I saw her play in Rome and she was hitting the ball really well. She just got edged out by Savalenka there. Um, I think she's going to fancy a chance against Osaka. And obviously, Naomi hasn't played in, at the French since sort of the big incident last year with the press conferences mm. and all of that. So I'm hoping she feels happy to be back. And I know that Moresmo's made some changes to the, how the press conferences um, will work to try and t- make it less of a, a big event and less sort of... Um, uh, more, well, more dynamic is what the language that she's used. So hopefully she'll feel more comfortable and be able to play her best tennis. We have to say Radicanu. Will we get a Radicanu ons match, Joel? Mm. Yes or no? Oh, that's a tough one. I think we could, you know. I think Radicanu has, again, surpassed my expectation of her. I think she's taken very, very well to the clay, um, you know, in her first, you know, first season playing clay court events. I'd say she's a clay court specialist now. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? It's, that's interesting you say that. I think, you know, she... Um, it I suits put, her game. Uh, it does. It does suit her game. It's weird just calling a, a British player a clay court specialist. Too soon, but I would say <laughs> what, what, hard what court I, specialist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what, not not my grass court once a year, but I think um, no. I think what's been good for Emma has been the ball speed. Is uh, it gets? She said that she was kind of overwhelmed initially by how quick the ball comes back from all the girls on the tour, and I think that. Clay slowed it down a bit and let her kind of work some of that US Open magic at times, which I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. So I, I, I think she's going to have a great time in Paris, and I, I think we're going to see an ons match. Is she destined to fail to serve out a, a match and lose in a final set tiebreak? She only does that in tour level matches, not in Grand Slam. <laughs> very she's true. A Grand Slam well, player. that is very true. She does. She does love bringing it. She's a closer. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, she will be definitely one to watch and see how she kind of gets on. I would be all for it. A Radikanu, Jabor fourth round uh let's see if that happens let's move on chris because i mean we're running out of time but also like again for me like the men's fourth quarter this is for me a little bit open as well because we've got the defending champion barbora krachikova i've got no idea what form i don't think anyone any, anyone has sure any she idea. Does, she hasn't played has she no exactly so yeah. you know although she is the defending champion and you know she's obviously played very she played very very well here last year i just don't think she's in any sort of form at the moment and um you know she, uh, yes she can you can you know you've got opportunities to kind of find you know find your game you know in grand slams that's you know that that can be the beauty of it you know there are seven potentially seven matches here and you don't have to play 10 out of 10 tennis to you know win every single one of those but you know she's going to need to come in and play play some matches i think before you know we can think about you know what's her mm. level at mm. where is she going to go in this tournament because at the moment i just don't feel like anyone knows well i mean we don't know if she would if she's fit enough you know for her first match mm. for example it might be that she's just she doesn't want to not defend it she's obviously pulled out of the whole clay swing and maybe she just wants to give it a go give herself the best chance of being able to you know play on the court and defend she was at the draw ceremony um and she was in good spirit so hopefully um she'll be able to do some some work i mean i think since since her French Open uh, victory, she hasn't lost before the fourth round at a Grand Slam. So I'm kind of going on the fact that she's found a way to win those matches against players who are ranked below her. And that's something that she does. She has proved she can do week in, week out. 
it's normally those players who, I mean, she's lost to Ash Barty at a few Grand Slams. It was Wimbledon and was it the US Open? No, it wasn't US Open. Uh, Wimbledon, she lost to, um, and maybe it was Australian, can't remember, but <laughs> it, I, won't, I won't remember, but uh, it, uh, she's had tough draws, mm-hmm. So, but she doesn't lose to people before she should. So mm. I'm backing Krajikova in this section. I think we've got to talk about um, two pain points for us, Joel. We've got to talk about Stone Stevens and Muguruza. Mm. Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with Muguruza. Let's start with Mugu. Because I was, you know, because when we were talking about Krajikova, I was thinking, God, wouldn't it be fun just to have another Muguruza Krajikova match um, at Grand Slams? Because, you know, they had that match at the Australian Open. Oh, that was, that was they great. They just absolutely hated each other, didn't they, at that yeah. handshake at the very end. But I just cannot, I, I mean, for Muguruza just getting to the second week, I think would be a, a minor miracle. Second um, round. Second round even, yeah. <laughs> have you I mean, seen she's who she's Ka- playing? Kaya Kanepi. The giant killer uh, from Estonia. nightmare. Simona Halep can tell us all about that. Um <laughs> Yeah, that is an absolute nightmare draw for Muguruza. You know, she played Rabat this week, uh, took a wild card, tried to get some form, didn't work out for her. So, you know, again, another player who probably is on upset watch in, in round one, which given what we've seen before fr- from Muguruza, the fact that she's like won the end of season finals in, in Guadalajara, I don't think we were expecting to be saying I this. She was just going to come mm. on and progress and finally. She's regressed. She really has. I think it's time to switch up the coaching situation. I honestly do because... Oh, really? You think get rid of Conchita? I I think it's it's clearly not something that's working on a regular basis. I'm not sure maybe it's introducing someone new to her camp, but I mean, the results are unbelievable considering how good mm. she is at tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, that's shocking. And I think Kanepi's going to get that one. I think mm-hmm. maybe Muguruza might take the first set 6-1, but she has a habit of winning an easy first set and then going AWOL. Um, on the Sloane Stevens question, last time I was on the pod, I was full of the joys of spring at her her victory in Mexico. And since then, it's not been going well. So I'm, I'm it's kind of... It's not been pretty. It's not been pretty. Chris, this week, talk to me. What What was going on there? She lost I... to some. She lost to someone who was ranked like three hundred and fifty odd in the world. It's not not her finest performance, I would say. Um, definitely not amazing that the player that she lost to, uh, Bur- Burokovic, I want to say, um, yeah, Burokovic. Uh, that was, um, yeah, that was a, a pretty bad loss. Um, mm. It's not not the was... loss, not loss you want going into a Grand Slam, but. She does have a qualifier, so I think that's worse, though, Joel. I think oh, she's going to played... lose to a yeah. qualifier. Okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, unfortunately, think Stone's going to do much damage in this in this section of the draw. Um, you've got your eyes on Teichman, I believe. Is that mm, true? Yes, Jill Teichman. I think I saw her play. Uh, I was watching Rome. Unfortunately, I feel like she she had to retire. I think, or you know, she had a bit of an injury. So I'm wondering how fit she is going to be. But I think she's had a very, very good clay court season not the you know not the the flashiest of players but certainly knows her way around a clay court and i think she could be quite dangerous in this part of the draw assuming she's 100 percent fit mm. she plays some really long matches in rome yeah like really on hot, really hot really days. long yeah i know um but i think i think for me she is almost kind of up there in terms of one of the the the, the one of the threats potentially to kind of 
as I said, maybe break out and reach a who knows, reach a, a semi final. Um, and and actually, and actually, we might as well talk about my predictions because right. I do have, I do have Jill Teichman in my bottom half semi final again. Going to go first? Yeah. Well, I felt like I have to because I've 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 sung Teichman Jill Teichman's praises, yeah. <laughs> so I've I've got to go. I've got to go own it. And as I said, Jill Teichman on Jabor in my bottom half. I think Jill Teichman. She's just great. Uh, she had a great clay court season. I think she's going to spring a surprise. We all know, I think, French Open loves unseeded, unheralded players going deep. So that's why I'm going for Jill Teitman and Onjabor. Yeah, I just think she's going to live up. I think she's playing with so much confidence at the moment. I think she's going to live up to the billing, get to the semifinals. I do think she loves the occasion and she sort of has been, mm-hmm. you know, reveling in it. And uh, yeah, I'm expecting her to get to the semifinals. Top half. I've gone Iga Sviontek, surprise, surprise, Paula Bedosa. I know I said Bedosa's not really done much or has been expecting a little bit more, but I'm expecting her to come to the party in Paris. So I've got her in my top half semi-final. Final, Sviontek v Jabor. I've just got to go with the two form players at the moment in the, in the women's game on the clay court. And I've got, surprise, surprise, Iga Sviontek as your ladies champion i think she's going to add another french open to her collection i feel like our predictions are pretty similar in terms of (laughs) i've got the same champion unsurprisingly that's a spoiler alert shock and horror exactly exactly um so in my top half i've got sriontek versus well my wild card kasakina here well you say that's your wild card i actually don't think that's your wild card i think your wild card is in who you've predicted to be in the bottom half semi-final. Yes, actually, that is true. Although I've got Kasakina for the top half, I have also got Kujikova in my semi-final, actually in my final um, for the bottom half, coming through that one, despite the fact she has Explain the rationale there. Please explain that rationale. The rationale is she'll be inspired, she's back in Paris, and she doesn't lose to players she's... uh, she's, Well, she doesn't lose to players that she's not better than. She barely ever loses to somebody who has a ranking who's below hers. Um, that's me trying to explain it. I just went with my gut. I have a feeling. I saw it at the draw ceremony. She seemed happy to be there. I've even got her beating Ons in the second semi-final. Um, looking at that matchup now, I'm not sure, but I'm backing it. And then in the final, unsurprisingly, I've gone for Sviontek to take that. So similar, similar winners, but um, some quite different semi-finals, Joel. We'll see how those predictions pan out. And we'll we'll get Kim's predictions as well when she kind of comes back on for our round by rounds as soon as the French Open starts. But we've got to move on uh, to our final part of the show. It is a big, big part of, of the passing shot. Collect a set. Six players, six predictions we're asking you, our listeners, to give us. Um, if you've not done this before, uh, collect a set is basically we're going to give you six singles players who are in the draws three men three women and in order to win a very coveted passing shot mug you've got to tell us what round they will get to or if they will win the french open so we're going to announce our our players chris let me do the honors i will announce the men and why don't you announce the the women absolutely okay right drum roll the three men we have chosen for this French Open's collector set are 
Novak Djokovic, Stefanos Sissipas, and Daniel Medvedev. And for the women's, we have Ons Jabeur, Daria Kasatkina, and Bianca Andreescu. Ooh, it's a it's a good mix, isn't it? It's uh, some big names there. There's some wild cards as well. I feel like guessing what Daniel Medvedev is going to do is going to be quite a tricky one. That will be tricky. Every time I've ever done this, which is every time it's ever happened, probably, um, I always put one of the big names losing in round two, and I get it right maybe one in every eight Grand Slams. So <laughs> that's my advice to listeners would be <laughs> they probably will make it past round two. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, listeners, <laughs> listeners, let us know your predictions. So that's Novak Djokovic, Stefanos Sissipas, Daniel Medvedev, Onjabor, Daria Kasatkina and Bianca Andreescu. Let us know where you think they will end up at the French Open or if you think they're going to win it. Win it. Let us know on Twitter, Instagram or email. Uh, our Twitter and Instagram handles are at PassingShotPod. Our email address is PassingShotPod at gmail.com. All we ask is that you get your entries in by the start of play, which for this Grand Slam is on Sunday. So you've got tonight, you've got tomorrow, you've got Saturday uh, and up to when play starts Sunday to get your predictions in. We look forward to seeing them. We will also be revealing ours as well, uh, along with Kim's, uh, as I said, once we start the round by rounds um, when the French Open begins. But uh, Chris, how are you? Co- how are you feeling? Are you are you confident? Do you think you can? Do you think you can guess mm. those correctly? I would say, having spent a long time looking at the draw, I think I've actually got too much knowledge of the draw now. <laughs> I think that can actually be a problem. I think I should make Wimbledon. Maybe I'll do it blind. But I think now that I've seen that a few of these players have actually already predicted where they're going to get to, I think. Um, I think I'm, I might, I might, go, I might stray from the predictions I've put on the podcast because, as you say, <laughs> if you stay on the podcast, it won't happen. So yes. maybe that's that's my confidence level in what I've said. Not high. <laughs> well, we look forward to seeing what you what you say. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious also to see what Kim Kim yeah. uh, goes for as well. But um, yeah, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this latest episode of the Passing Shot, our French Open preview episode uh we are going to be doing round by rounds throughout the two weeks um at the french open so remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action at roland garros on whatever device you listen to us on we're on apple Podcasts, spotify and all good podcasting platforms out there you can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app and if you like what you're hearing then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on apple Podcasts or spotify follow us on social media and email the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's at PassingShotPod. You can email the show at PassingShotPod at gmail.com or check out our website, www.thepassingshot.co.uk. And we will be back on Tuesday for our first round-by-round, round-one catch-up. Kim will be back at Passing Shot HQ with me. So I hope you can join us for that. Chris, it's been a blast having you back on. I'm sure you're going to be back on in the future as well. But uh, uh, until next time, it's goodbye from you. It is goodbye from me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also goodbye from me. Listeners, uh, we'll see you uh, on Tuesday for round one, round-by-round catch-up. Exciting stuff. We'll see you then.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 